right? Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to, uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. And DC United pay their first visit to TQL Stadium this weekend as they look to move above the playoff line against 13th place FC Cincinnati, the two-time defending wooden spoon holders. Laurel Faylor covers the orange and blue at Queen City Press, and she joins us now to help us preview this game which you can watch Saturday at 7.30 on NBC Sports Washington and tell it Exitos, stream it at dcunited.com or ESPN+. Laurel, welcome back to Filibuster. Thanks for having me. I know I was not with Queen City Press the last time we talked. I've since started my own site, so thanks for having me on. I'm glad I'm still a desirable uh, candidate for these things, even while not with The Athletic anymore, so thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for, for coming on and uh, all the best of luck with Queen City Press, you know, independent sports media. I'm here for it. <laughs> well, thanks. What are you drinking tonight? Well, the only alcoholic beverage I drink is wine and I don't have any wine in the house right now. So I am drinking water. <laughs> so I know that's, that's not an answer. No, hydration's important, man. <laughs> Yeah. Always. <laughs> um, before the, the show, we were talking, or Ben and I were talking about Mamma Mia because my kids are watching it while we're out here at the lake house in Kentucky. And a friend of mine referred to Mamma Mia as wine drunk the movie. And now anytime someone mentions wine, I, that, that's all I can think about. So I'm sorry to <laughs> drag us off the rails with that. But I drink really uh, Street being wine moody. drunk. So. The white I like is fruity, and yeah, I'm, I have a very, uh, I don't like bitter, or it, it has to be sweet, so I'm picky about my wine, and I think we do actually have some, like, Merlot, but that's not my, that's not my bottle, No, so. d- no. <laughs> throw the Merlot in the trash. <laughs> don't throw the Merlot in the trash. Somebody out there likes Merlot, give it to them. I think it's to cook with. I think that's why it's there. So. Ah, yes, there you <laughs> there go. You go. Not to consume. Uh, looking to Saturday, this will be DC United's first time ever playing against my seven-year-old's 
all-time favorite player, Luciano Acosta, um, who joined FC Cincinnati this winter for a couple million dollars from Atlas in Liga MX East. How, uh, how's Lucho been doing for you guys? He's been great. Um, you know, when I was actually thinking about coming on the show and kind of preparing, I was sitting there thinking, well, they're going to ask me about Joe Jow. They always ask about Joe Jow. And then I remembered, oh my gosh, they're going to ask about Luciano, of course. Um, so I am curious how, how you guys thought about him during his times in, time in D.C. But yeah, he's been a, a big impact for FC Cincinnati. Um, he does... You can tell that he is trying to do a lot for the team. Sometimes it looks like he's maybe trying to do a little bit too much. Um, you sounds know. like the Lucho we know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yeah, but he's their leading scorer. He, I mean, he's been just some of the the moves that you see him make. You're just like, wow, that's just an incredible player. We haven't had that kind of player in Cincinnati, so he's definitely been a, a game changer for them and. Um, you know, if they could just get a few more pieces around him, I think he could really make an even bigger difference. Well, Wayne Rooney is currently injuring his own players <laughs> in training, and I, I assume will not be coming through the door in Cincinnati. But Lucho, Lucho was already a fan favorite before Rooney got here, but it was Rooney's arrival that kind of unlocked him and turned him into a best 11 caliber player. Uh, he was very good and had a penchant for the spectacular, but he he also had a reputation as being a little bit moody or trying to do everything for the team, and sometimes less is more. Um, and Rooney is what really unlocked him. Well, we're hoping that Brenner can do that for him here. Uh, Brenner, of course, is a much younger player than Wayne Rooney when he was there. But, um, you know, the, those two are, are pretty – there's a lot of expectations for those two, um, the highest paid player, highest transfer fees and, and paid among the top uh, salaries for FC Cincinnati. And um, they both actually Lucho is the only player on the team that speaks um, Portuguese along with Brenner. So he's been really important for Brenner just in integrating into the squad and um, just understanding kind of what, what to do and, they're getting a feel for each other. You can see that sometimes um, they're not on the same page, but I think that's coming along. Um, you are seeing some big improvements from Brenner in recent games. So um, Lucha has been a big impact in, on Brenner as well. So um, he's also the captain. I don't know if that mm-hmm. came as a surprise to you guys at all or, or not after watching him in DC and some of the, you know, flinging of the arms when he's frustrated with, with his teammates not understanding what he wants them to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, he seems to want to have that leadership role and, and I hope to see that evolve a little bit more. Uh, well, Laurel, you brought up Brenner. Um, I wanted to ask a little, because I know it was a slow start uh, to his MLS career. He scored right away. I, I guess it's not a slow immediate start because he did score in his debut, but then there was a while there where he just wasn't able to get any goals on the board. Uh, but in that crazy 5-4 game with, with Montreal, um, he did end up scoring twice. I think he had an assist in there as well. Um, since then, there's been two games since then. How has that sort of a, a – that's a potential breakout game. Do you feel like he's actually maybe turned the corner a little bit as a result of having the one game where he's seeing the ball go in the back of the net and actually getting the experience, some success in the league? Well, if you talk to Lucho, he he does see that change. Um 
I think fans of Cincinnati right now, all they can think about is the breakaway he had Saturday at Nashville and just wasn't decisive enough to either take the shot or drop it off to, I think Alvaro Barrial was running up into the box. Um, Brenner's not the fastest guy. So him trying to take on the defender like he did um, probably should have just dished it off to, to Alvaro kind of giving him a through ball to, to run on to. Um, so that was really disappointing because the game, uh, they lost to Nashville three, nothing on mm-hmm. Saturday, but it was one, nothing at that time, um, you know, to get an equalizer there could have changed the game for them. So Fans are kind of, you know, looking at that as, I don't know, we're back to what we had with Brenner early in the season. Um, But, you know, I do still see him making some – he does look more comfortable. Um, Mm. You know, he has had assists, or if he wasn't credited with the assist, he somehow, um, you know, impacted that play starting. And uh, he's done some things that just doesn't show up in the stats right now. So I do see him getting more comfortable and – settling in a little bit. I'm, I'm sure that's been, you know, he is a young player. I, I forget he's 20 or 21. Um, no one else except Lucha, like I mentioned, speaks his language. Um, mm-hmm. He kind of gets by with some uh, Spanish. A lot of guys speak Spanish and he can kind of understand that. Um, but it's a lot coming to a new country um, at that age and just not having anyone there to, to really, um, I mean, I mean, besides Lucho, to really understand and communicate with um, regularly. So that's been hard for him, but I think that's kind of improving. And the team has done everything that they can to to help them settle in. And, um, you know, it is different for, for guys coming from, you know, Brazil. He It's mm. a completely different league over there, so or down there. Um, but, uh, you know, the travel involved here and the physicality, I think the physicality has been something that's been, a surprise for him. Um, and hopefully he's kind of understanding that a little bit more now too. So Laurel, uh, switching to the, 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 uh, greater, greater stadium, greater, uh, 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 uh layer of the, of the team, they, the TQL stadium is brand new. It's, across the street from Music Hall. It's right near Findlay Market. It's near over the Rhine. It's right in downtown Cincinnati. Uh, how is ben that stadium? Ben dropping his geographic knowledge there. I mean, I'm, I I lived in Cincinnati for 20 years. I got to drop at least a little that. bit of knowledge. It's uh, good that you have that knowledge of, yeah, of an opposing city. And like, and, and like, uh, uh, in contrast to when I grew up there, all of those areas are now cool and good places to be and fun places to be. There's a lot, there's like breweries and restaurants and lots of fun things to do. So how, how has that new stadium uh, affected the team, affected the club and affected the game day experience? I mean, the stadium is awesome. Um, It's just, I mean, there, I, yeah, it's just, it's, it's great. Um, the atmosphere ha- was always good for FC Cincinnati. They always drew fans, but um, it's definitely, you, you can hear them louder, just the way um, it kind of bounced. I think they really studied how the sound would work coming from the Bailey. It's like this huge incline. Um, I think it seats about 3000 fans there. And that's where all the rowdy supporters are. And 
um, just it carries well uh, uh, throughout the stadium, whereas at Nippert Stadium, um, where they used to be with at UC, um, it kind of uh, just, you would hear it, like, I, it kind of went backwards. I, yeah. I went to a couple of football games there because some of my friends were in the marching band, and it it just sucked to be at yeah. Nippert Stadium. Yeah, the sound, I think, went, went more to the parking area, like pr- parking yeah, garages yeah. there. You didn't hear it as well around the stadium. I mean, it was loud enough in the stadium because there's a number of fans there, obviously. You hear something, but uh, it's just the it in the new stadium, it just really keeps the sound in, and it's pretty impressive to, to be able to hear that uh, from the press box. And um, atmosphere-wise, you know, it's great. And you would expect that to provide some energy to the team. Unfortunately, they are still looking for their first win at TQL Stadium, which uh, everyone here calls the tickle. Just from, <laughs> I can't oh, get no. that out of my head Oh, now. no. Oh, no. That's <laughs> bad. I do not have good feelings yeah. about that. No. <laughs> it's in my head now, and so I have to bring it up because if it's in my head, it needs to be in everyone's head. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's a little disappointing. I think they've had five games there. Um, I think they've had one draw, if I remember. Yeah, um, so they're still uh, – it's it's so strange that they've done pretty well on the road and just not been able to get that win at home. So the fans are definitely aching for that win, and they're really hoping this weekend is that time. Well, I, I certainly hope it's not that time, but <laughs> – uh, other than the opening of the new stadium, um, can anything really be said to have gone right for Cincinnati this year? You're in 13th place, so you're ahead of Miami, but you you have you've been the worst team in the league for the last two years, and you're down near the bottom of the standings again this year. And what is going right for for Cincinnati? Yeah, uh, this was a better question like eight days ago or, well, a week, 10 days ago or so. Um, They had a four-game unbeaten streak, and it really felt like things were starting to come together. Uh, They finally started scoring some goals, um, got leads and didn't give them up um, on the road, and then um, went to Montreal. Well, actually, let's see. Before that, they they had the crew game. and had a lead, went up a man, uh, Columbus got a um, man taken off and could have had another one. They could have been down to nine men in that game. And uh, yeah, Columbus scored two goals while down a man and tied the game. So um, they that was disappointing. Then they go to Montreal. They end up scoring. They took two, two goal leads, scored four goals, and you think that's enough. But again lost that game. So um, from there, it just kind of felt like it was coming apart again. Um, You can tell they're tired right now. They don't have enough depth. Um, Ronald Matarita and Alan Cruz were gone for an international duty. They've had three guys injured and that's a lot to miss for this team just with the roster, the set set up the way it is. So um, I think that they just looked exhausted on Saturday at Nashville. The heat probably got to them a little bit. Going down early, I think just the frustration kind of settled back in. Um, but they have done some good things. I mean, they're scoring goals. That's a big change from last year. Um, they already have, I think, lost track. It was 16 goals. I think that's what they're at. Um, 
they only had 12 last year in 23 games. So that was, that's an improvement. Um, you know, the defense looks a lot better. Um, you know, their first three games, they gave up 10 goals and that number has dropped down significantly. I think um, Kenneth Vermeer was down to a 1.25 goals against average, something somewhere around there. Um, and he, they added some, uh, some, players on the back line that have really helped um, at the center back position. And so the defense is a lot better. They're just, uh, I don't know. They just can't put it all together at once. Laurel, uh, what is the Linder family looking uh, for from uh, FC Cincinnati? What, what are their, what, what are they looking for from the team? Like I, how long of a, of a rope does Yapstam have? Are they going to uh, blow everything up? And, and uh, if it's not going well, are they just going to uh, change everything? Like, like they've they've been the 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 uh, controlling family, the controlling owners this whole time. They're very rich. They can do whatever they want. They can put a ton of money into this team if they want to. Uh, what are they What are they looking to do with this team? Well, Carl Linder um, earlier in the season seemed like he was having some patience and not, you know, I, fans were calling for Stom out and the GM uh, Gerard Nykamp. They were they kind of started a Stom out Nykamp out um, <laughs> thing on Twitter after the second game when they lost five to nothing to um, NYCFC and then followed that with a three nothing loss to Orlando City. Um, so the fans were ready to just turn it over and start again um, after three games. So that's, that's kind of where the, uh, and I will say that is, that was at least at the time, a, a vocal minority. Um, they were pretty loud, but sure. a lot of the fans were understanding of just kind of where this team has come from. I mean, you can't expect this fast turnaround after two wooden spoons. Um, so I, it's hard to tell where ownership is in terms of, you know, understanding you know, Gerard Nijkamp has said that he needed four to five windows, full windows, um, which he's in his fourth window right now, um, to really make this a competitive roster. Um, the way that he's built it, they do have a lot of guys that are on contract through 2022 and beyond. So if they do decide to make some changes, I don't see it happening now. I think they will give them to the end of the season and kind of see how things go. Um, but at that point, if they decide to to move on, then they're going to be looking at um, a new GM or new coach or both um, coming in with a roster that they're not going to be able to tweak too much. Um, there's going to be some room to, to make changes, but there's a lot of guys that are tied up for a while. So um, you almost kind of think maybe you should give them that fifth window just to see, you know, we've put all this effort into rebuilding. You, you almost want to just see it through and, and see if it works. But then again, when you've got fans as loud as FC Cincinnati fans are, um, you know, if that turns into more of a majority and, you know, if attendance starts dropping, um, they're going to notice that and that might change what they're thinking. Uh, Well, speaking of, you know, some of the additions that have already come in, um, we've talked about Lucho, we've talked about uh, Brenner, um, but one of the major things is remaking this defense. And now Cincinnati's got Jeff Cameron and they've also added Viasia alongside him at center back. Um, I know our listeners are familiar with Jeff Cameron. They might not be 
big fans of Jeff Cameron, but they are very familiar with him. Um, but how are they as a duo? Because that is maybe the thing with FC Cincinnati is that their defense since they came into the league just has not been able to stop teams from scoring. Yeah. Um, the Jeff Cameron signing was kind of a head scratcher for all of us. Um, this, mm-hmm. He's 36 now. He was 35 at the time he signed. Uh, but you know, he was given a two year contract and he was coming off a full season. Um, Queens, let's see. Yeah. Queens Park Rangers. And uh, yep. I had to think about that. Sorry. Um, and uh, he, yeah, I mean, it's just, well, what's he going to be able to provide, but he actually, he's probably been the most impactful. I mean, we all like Lucha and what he's done for the offense, but Jeff Cameron actually has been the biggest impact on the team. Um, as soon as he came onto the field, you could see him just pointing all over, telling guys where to go. Um, he really, um, kind of stabilized that defense. And it's been an interesting pairing with Gustavo Vallecilla, um, who is this young 20-year-old. Um, so <laughs> big difference there. Um, mm-hmm. He's still learning. Gustavo is from Ecuador, um, doesn't speak English, um, but Jeff has been a big impact on him, just kind of in, in directing him and kind of helping him settle in with a new team as well. Um, you know, Jeff being a veteran um, who a long time ago had experience in the league. Um, he mm-hmm. does have something to pro- provide there. Um, and, you know, we've seen lately, Gustavo has been really impressive t- to everyone, just what he's been able to do so far, um, contributing on offense. He has a couple goals and then um, he's really fast on defense. So um, he can kind of cover if, if guys make mistakes, but then lately um, he's had some mistakes where his positioning has been a little off. Um, I think he's getting a little frustrated with some of the calls that he's been getting um, on Saturday at Nashville. He um, got a yellow card for just booting the ball after a foul, after he was called for a foul. So, you know, whenever you boot the ball like that, you're going <laughs> to get a card. So mm. um he fortunately that would have that's his fifth, but he did have a six game stretch without a card, so he did get one back for behavior. So he'll be eligible on Saturday. But uh, those two have been, even though it doesn't look like you know much difference for outsiders probably because FC Cincinnati's still down there in the bottom of the table, uh, but the defense is a lot better with those two in at center back. Um, I think they just fit the system better too. Uh, Nick Haglin and Tom Pedersen were returners from last year that. Um, you kind of were surprised to see back this year. Um, Nick Haglin mm-hmm. re-signed. Tom Pedersen's on contract through this year. So um, those two have been on the bench most of the year. And Haglin's been coming in off the bench um, to replace Gustavo when he needs out but um, or replace. But, yeah, it's, it's a different defense than, than we saw. Um, <laughs> at least it looks different. <laughs> Maybe not mm-hmm. in the results, but – it is. <laughs> so one uh, team this year for DC United has been the high press. Hernan Lozada wants them to basically attack through defending. Uh, how does Cincinnati, when, when they've got the ball in the back, how do they handle the press? Um, usually not good. Um, they have done better, I think, with, with this back line. Um, but they've always been kind of known to struggle against a high press. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how they can handle things with D.C. Um, they, 
I know the fans are praying that Ronald Matarita is able to play. Um, not that so Edgar Castillo is playing left back in his place and he did okay, but it's a big drop off still from Ronald Matarita and what he's provided, um, especially going forward in the attack. But also he just seems to get back on defense um, better than we've seen from Edgar. So um, fans are definitely hoping here that, that Ronald can play. Um, he just got back into town from the gold cup on, uh, I think that was, I've lost track of my days. Um, he got back, I think Monday, but trained for the first time, I think uh, today. So um, they'll be probably eligible. I would think at least to come off the bench, but I would think they could start. So. So to, to finish things up here tonight, if you found yourself across from Yapstam, uh, you had to game plan against FC Cincinnati, what would you be focusing on? Well, I mean, I would look at what Nashville did. Um, man, it, I mean, I don't know what it is with Nashville. Um, normally, FC Cincinnati has ended up with a draw against them. That was the first time that they just came out and looked awful. So um, I don't know. That might have just been – I mean, Nashville's playing well now. Um, that's a tough team to beat. But, um, yeah, I mean, in that case, it was more of the counterattack. Um, maybe that is where FC Cincinnati's struggling the most right now. Uh, their midfield has just been absent at times. So mm-hmm. um, the counterattack maybe would be the best route I would <laughs> – say if I was game planning against Yop's team right now um and yeah I mean just try to I mean it worked for Nashville they kind of sit back and then just took advantage of when FC Cincinnati had mistakes and maybe that was because they were tired from that busy stretch of games and maybe that impacted things but um I just I see that being just the midfield right now the way it is uh there's a lot of gaps between the lines and I think any team that can take advantage of that is going to do well out against FC Cincinnati. All right. We'll see if DC United can do just that this Saturday. Laurel, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. And uh, I didn't get any Joe Jow questions, but uh, he is at right back. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay, but uh, you'll be interested. I mean, hey, to take take. Take the floor. Tell us about Joe Jow before we get uh, out of here. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he's been a storyline here. I, I guess I should have mentioned that when we were talking about the back line. But, um, you know, traditionally a winger, he's he's playing right back and um, still learning his positioning on defense. He's had some bad mistakes as far as just um, not getting back quick enough, even though he he's such a fast guy. But he's, you know, he's so fast going up and up the line with the ball. And then, you know, if if there's a turnover, which happens a lot with FC Cincinnati, then um, he just hasn't been, he's been a little slow to get back sometimes. And uh, just his positioning has been a little off, but he's definitely made big improvements from the beginning of the year. You can see that he's getting more comfortable in the position. And I think they really were hoping that he could contribute more to the offense. Um, You know, he does a good job getting up the field and and beating um, players on the run, but, um, and on the dribble, but he uh, just hasn't been able to get that cross where he needs it or that final pass or um, maybe even not decisive enough on his own shots. So that's uh, that's the thing we're waiting on for Joe Jow. And um, it, it's been surprising that they've 
they've kept them. They haven't mentioned right back as a position that they're targeting this transfer window or anything like that. So I think that they're mm-hmm. hopeful that he can continue to make improvements. It'll be an interesting battle there on that side between him and presumably Kevin Paredes, but I, I guess it could be Joe Joseph Mora for, for DC at that left wing back spot. It'll be interesting uh, to see how, how they match up. Yeah. A lot of teams do tend to go down that side of the field. Um, especially when Matarita's on the left side. Um, so I guess that's another thing. If I were game planning against Yop Stom's team, I would plan to go down FC Cincinnati's right side. So, All right, Laurel, where can people find you online if uh, they want more FC Cincinnati content? Well, so I have queencitypress.net. I couldn't get .com. Someone is holding on to that. So um, .net, <laughs> queencitypress.net. Um, and then I'm on Twitter and I'm pretty active on Twitter. So if you have any questions, I answer DMs and tweets and everything. So I'm at Laurel Failer. So L-A-U-R-E-L-P-F-A-H-L-E-R. And yeah, my links are all on there as well. So appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, listeners should definitely go check out Laurel's stuff. Uh, and, you know, obviously we encourage you to check out our stuff too at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. Our, our Patreon patrons got early access to this episode. So if you want to listen to these game previews a few days early, uh, patreon.com slash filibuster is the place to do that. You can find us on Twitter, of course, at filibusterdcu or at blackandredu. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com and uh, make sure you uh, subscribe and rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, And also be sure to tell a friend about the show. Uh, Word of mouth has always been the best advertising. It always will be. So please uh, help us out in that way. For Jason and Ben and thanking Laurel one more time, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. I can't believe we got through this entire segment without Adam and Ben having a fight over Skyline Chili. It's terrible. It's great. <laughs>